Hello again, and welcome to our Governing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Peregrine. We're pleased to have you with us. Today, our focus is on one of the biggest of all of the unanticipated consequences of the fourth wave, the so-called tired of being your hero syndrome. It's the whole thing about healthcare workers leaving the profession, whether for reasons of burnout, stress, safety, moral harm, and in some cases, a desire for personal freedom over all else. And as the folks at Gerard, Phillips, Kate, and Hancock observe, they're answering the question, is it worth it? With a decisive, no. It's not just the sharp increases in new COVID cases and community spread. It's the cumulative effect of so many issues that Delta has brought to a head. You know what they are. The fatigue, the pressure, the controversy, the safety concerns, the patient blowback, the declining levels of public support. It's an issue that really wasn't present in the pandemic's first wave, but it surely is now. I mean, when it's come to striketober and calling out the National Guard to provide institutional staffing, you know there's a crisis brewing. These are all issues with which 18 months or 19 months into the pandemic, boards are definitely want to be engaged with. They're issues for which a passive governance approach won't work anymore. And to help us through these issues and their governance implications, we're joined by two extraordinarily qualified guests. David Girard, the president and CEO of the company that bears his name, has earned a national reputation in helping healthcare systems and health services companies use their public and political strengths to succeed in high-stakes moments. Under his guidance, Girard has become the nation's leading strategic communications consultancy dedicated to work that spans healthcare clients' most challenging communications issues, organizational restructurings, mergers, sales, and acquisitions, issue and crisis navigation, and strategic positioning opportunities. And it's David and his team who coined the tired of being your hero syndrome. Audrey Murphy serves Hackensack Meridian Health as Executive Vice President, Co-Chief Legal Officer, and Chief Officer, Team Member Health and Safety. Now, in her role as Co-Chief Legal Officer, Audrey's direct responsibilities include, among others, the Physician Enterprise, the School of Medicine, and we'll come back to that, Hackensack's vast insurance programs and captives, and research. In her role as Chief Officer, Team Member Health and Safety, Audrey is responsible for workplace health and safety, among other tasks. And you need to know that in addition to her law degree, Audrey holds both BSN and MSN degrees. Indeed, before joining Hackensack, she worked as a critical care nurse, a nurse manager, supervisor, and clinical specialist. And as many of you know, Hackensack and the New York Exburbs were essentially ground zero for the first COVID wave in March and April 2020. Audrey was right in the middle of that 24-7. So David and Audrey, we're delighted to have you both with us on the program today and to engage our listeners on what they should know about why their healthcare workers are leaving the profession and what they can do about it. And Audrey, let me go to you first and just ask the general question. What do you remember most about those days in Command Center in March and April of 2020? So I would say what I remember most, Michael, was the challenges that we faced even setting up the command center 
at our network and at the various hospitals around the state. We have hospitals that span from Bergen County down to Ocean, and if you know the state of New Jersey, that's a long span. And just trying to get our command centers up and running, making sure we were able to provide all of the supplies that all of the hospitals need, as well as our long-term care facilities. So it was a challenge to do all of that coordinating. We had to do it in a very short period of time. And of course, post the first wave, we had all of those lessons learned. Barty, one more question in that regard before we turn to David to kind of look at what we would call today's fire. What was your recollection of the spirit of the medical staff, the clinicians, the healthcare workers at that point? And, and how do you think it's changed since March or April of 2020? I, I would say the spirit at that time, these folks were so um, motivated. Uh, they realized that, you know, we had one of the first patients. They rallied around each other. They rallied around the organization. They put in so many different shifts. Um, it was a real uh, rally cry, and I think they, they all rose up to the occasion. We had our procurement people just scouring, really, the country as well as internationally to make sure we had all the protective gear they needed, all the supplies they needed. Today, it's a very different picture. And I think when we think about the fact that, you know, we're into wave four, it's been over two years, and people have become very fatigued, very frustrated. I think we have a very different picture in healthcare today. And David, let's talk about that a little bit, the immediate imperative for healthcare providers. But I've got to ask you first, where did you come up with, how did you come up with the tired of being your hero syndrome name? What what drove you to that conclusion? Well, I mean, what drove us is because uh, Audrey's exactly right, that when we uh, first entered the this season of pandemic together, we were all in it together. We were in it together as as clinical professionals, but also as a country. And we didn't know what we didn't know. And so there was a sense of uh, unity and they were, we're going to put our shoulders to it and get through it together. And, and appropriately and rightly, we celebrated those that were absolutely on the front line, which was our nurses and doctors. They were celebrated as heroes and we walked outside and clapped our hands as they drove past and celebrated them as, as they left work. But here's the thing about heroes. They are almost by definition, resilient, self-sufficient, sacrificial. They don't need anything from anybody because they can carry the burden totally on their shoulders. They are the hero, which was great for a season for a while in the first wave and maybe the second wave, but it became clear that we weren't all in this together, that some parts of the country were affected differently than others, that some people were willing to take the vaccine and others were not. Some people were willing to take the mask and others were not. And even in the hospitals, there were some nurses and physicians who were much more strained than others. And so we, over time, which was the, our enemy here, we begin to fragment. And now we are fragmented, I think, as a, as a country and even in the provision of care. And so the hero moniker, you must continue to be sacrificial and self-sufficient when others aren't, no longer plays well and I think even works against us. So it's time to, to put it down and think about a new way to talk about uh, how we deliver care. And Audrey, from your perspective, and David Bold, an issue with which the board should become involved and be aware? Absolutely. Our board is aware and has become very involved. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this is a significant 
issue for boards, particularly as representatives of the community that they that they serve. It, this is not just a, an employee workforce issue. This is a cultural issue for the organization. Agreed. Uh, the cultural issue being a key. Well, let me uh, turn to both of you. Uh, you know, we often talk about trust and the historical trust healthcare has enjoyed. And David, you talked about this again, the, the clapping and all of that from uh, uh, maybe 15 months ago, a year ago. What are you seeing now? Let me go, to Audrey, to you first. Why is, at this point in time, has the trust seemed to have broken down? Well, I think it is partially, you know, what David had said. I think initially we were all in this together, uh, was the mantra. And then as this pandemic went on and various groups refused to get vaccinated, refused to wear masks, the country was divided, I, I think that's when the split really came. I do believe that the community as a whole still clearly holds the clinical folks in high regard. I think some of the administrative people in terms of the administrators in the long-term care facilities and even in some of the hospitals, those were the folks that there started to be mistrust about. And of course, particularly when we started seeing across the country, the mandating of vaccinations for uh, the team members. David, what's your perspective? I think that what Audrey said is really interesting about the split between the clinicians and some of the administrative folks. What's your experience been as you advise organizations across the country? Yeah, I, again, I, I, I'm, I'm right with Audrey and it's her observation of the, what's happening inside the hospitals and out. And I'll tell you, Mike, we've done research for years of healthcare consumers and how they're thinking about the delivery of care and who they trust to deliver care and who they trust to deliver healthcare advice. And it has consistently been the results of our surveys that if you wear a white coat, you are the most trusted voice in the delivery of care and how healthcare should be improved and, and taken seriously. I think what we've seen in the last 18 months is a reduction in that trust. There's been a breaking of that trust. And I think one of the questions for our industry is whether that trust is recoverable, whether in the future, when there's important healthcare questions, whether the doctor and the nurse is still the authoritative voice in the delivery of care. I think it's a really important question we have to ask ourselves as an industry. Audrey, uh, how does the Hackensack Meridian Health Board starting to look at that now, that recovery of the trust issue? Yes. So, Michael, I think we, we've started to have those conversations with the board. They are very concerned about our connection with the community. And one of our uh, focus, of course, during this whole pandemic was reaching out to the community, the community leaders, the, the various fractions within our individual communities and bringing them into the fold getting their concerns on the table, what, what were their concerns in terms of our, you know, uh, health care providers? What were they concerned about in terms of their own communities? So I think our whole approach to reaching out to the community and making sure at the various sites, because we have many uh, hospitals throughout the network, were we focusing on the local flavor? What were their concerns locally? And I, and I think Healthcare is local, and I think that's what we have to do. Artie, I want to pick up, though, on one comment you made before. And as most of our listeners today know, Hackensack Meridian Health is one of the largest health, not for profit healthcare systems in the country. And you offer pretty much the full gamut of healthcare facilities and services. Are you seeing this issue play out differently in, according to locales, according to types of providers? 
according to the classification of your facilities, or is it pretty much across the board these trust issues are popping up? Now, the trust issues, I think, are uh, popping up across the board, Michael, but I will say there are pockets where it's a little bit more obvious to the administrative folks in those areas. And again, once again, I think it goes back to what David said. When you start seeing a country divided, it's certainly going to find its way into the various industries, and it certainly has in healthcare. If I may add, because what Audrey was describing about that local interaction and reflecting the, the culture in your responses and engagement in the community, that is, that is great medicine for this issue. Because uh, people trust people, they don't trust institutions, or it's harder to trust institutions. So making that connection almost personally is one of the key, the key ways to get through this and over this. I mean, we're, we're dealing with an issue, and even here we're talking about an issue that's really nationalized. And it's hard to break through when we're dealing with a, you know, national media and national social media and national political matters. It's hard to break through that shell. But the one-on-one kind of conversations, the small group conversations that she was describing, that's the way to do it. That's the way to play. David, as, as Gerard looks and has advised his clients across the country on communications plans, have you shifted some of your messaging, your strategies away from the, the hero concept, away from the the, the focus on the heroism of the uh, clinicians, on the nurses. Uh, how has your own personal firm strategy changed over the last 18 months? It's a great question. Early on in the, in the pandemic, everything was an outlier. It was the, the first patient, the first nurse or caregiver with COVID. It was the first command center. It was Everything was a first. And so we were all dealing with the first time and we were very hero-focused and extraordinary-focused and great testimonial-focused. Now we're leaning on a, a concept that's really important to our firm, which is you have to get the talk right inside before you'll get it right outside. And getting the talk right inside the healthcare organization is and should be, I think, a priority for any leadership team or the board. And that means leaning into uh, your nurse population and leaning into your physician population, actually listening, asking them questions, raising those Raising those matters that may be difficult because you can't address them with just a dollar or just another day off and being willing to do something about it. So the, the short answer, Michael, is we're, we're leaning in internally in a big way. Audrey, at Hackensack Meridian, uh, you're senior management and you're one of the few people in the country who have held both you know, the, the chief legal officer and nursing roles. How do you and your colleagues in the C-suite at Hackensack Think about the balance they've got to find between serving as that community resource and protecting your physicians, your staff, your clinicians. How do you work that through? Right. So I, I think, you know, David's absolutely right. You have to have the message inside first before you can certainly deliver it to the community. And I think one of the things we're seeing post this pandemic is that folks want to have the flexibility with their schedules the flexibility in terms of their various shifts, where they're working, et cetera. I mean, we are seeing a lot of folks take early retirement. We're seeing an aging workforce of not only nurses and physicians, but also pharmacists, physical therapists, et cetera. And I think we're seeing a change in the way we deliver care, right? We're starting to see more of the care be delivered outside. Folks are talking about medical home. Uh, they want to be cared for in their home. We're also starting to see a model emerge that was around in the 80s, 
where we would really enlist the families and the families being involved in the care of the patient. I think that was one of the things that was so stressful, not only for our team members and certainly for the patients, but not having the families during this pandemic to, to be with these folks who were so gravely ill. And we're starting to see an expansion of the role of what I would call helpers, people who can come in, they can, it can either be on a voluntary basis or you pay folks to be sort of the arm of the clinicians because their work has to be very focused. And there are so many other pieces of the uh, care delivery system that can be more flexible. You can have different folks helping out in different areas. So I say, think what we're trying to do here is, because you want to keep your talent, right? And we're coming into a, an era where we're going to have a lot of shortages. So you want to be as flexible as you can with the folks that you have and trying to meet their needs. I think one of the other things is the uh, behavioral health issues that we've seen come about through this pandemic uh, with our clinicians who felt that a lot of times they didn't have anyone to talk to. So we're, we've increased our services there. Uh, we've increased our services in terms of physical, you know, yoga classes, all things that could be available to people to help de-stress. I think the emphasis here now is on our team members and making sure that they're well enough, both mentally and physically, to take care of the challenging patient population that we have. And David, that kind of prompts me to ask this question. As you know, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are serving board members of, uh, of the McDermott clients and other healthcare institutions. And if uh, my guess is they're going to listen to this and they're going to listen to what Audrey just said and they're going to say, hey, what can I do? Let, should I be walking the halls? Should I be out there? Should we as a, a committee be patting people on the back? Do we go to these facilities? Uh, I, what, uh, or do I lean back and just let management do it? But I, I, there are a lot of things I can do here. David, what's your, what's your suggestion to them? Uh, well, the quick answer is yes, do. Uh, yes, lean in and, and be visible and active. With this caveat, it, do it with the leadership of the organization, with the administration. Um, don't, don't become a cowboy and ride it and try to do it yourself because that, it may be well intended, but could only be disruptive. But as a, as a, as a group, uh, the value of leaders in the community, particularly leaders of the organization, walking the halls, shaking the hands, engaging in that conversation could be truly valuable. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of a risk, but it's a valuable risk. And the risk is the board and board members can actually do something about the problems that are going to be voiced to them when they walk the halls. And so being ready to not just listen, but do something when you hear what you hear is part of the work, too. And when you talk about balance, uh, yeah, you know, there's a very thin gray line between uh, manage management and board responsibilities. And as you said, that has to be done in partnership, no cowboying. But this is, it seems to me that this is one of those areas, uh, unlike finance or, or legal or compliance, where the boards can uh, link with management team and do something without any risk of kind of encroaching on responsibilities. But, but let's turn in our remaining minutes, David and Audrey, to talk about tomorrow's consequences uh, as, as institutions, David, your clients, and Audrey Hackensack Meridian and its peers kind of gear up for the ripple effects of all this. David, let me turn back to you on this first. Where do you think today's events will leave us in a year or in a couple of years? What's, the, what's your crystal ball? I'll go back to something Audrey said. The, the, the delivery of care itself is changing, and so the workforce... Um, to deliver that care 
is changing. I, I think the pandemic has been a, a great accelerant to change, that a lot of things that were already underway or just sort of embryonic stage have just blossomed during this time. And some things may retract a little bit, but I think a lot of change that's happening is going to continue apace because people do have different experiences getting care at home and people do like uh, telemedicine um, and some caregivers like that as well. So that so that change, I think, is going to ripple into changes actually in the, the big box hospitals and the capital commitments that we make and the personnel decisions that we make. So that's one thought. The other thought, I think, is there 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 will be an acceleration of the generational shift in care providers. I think there's a lot of physicians who are going to be aging out. There's, frankly, a lot of senior nursing leaders and clinical leaders who will also be um, aging out. So there's there's both a risk and an opportunity to rewrite, uh, I think, a lot of the traditional ways healthcare has been delivered with this new generation of caregivers coming in, assuming that we have a culture that, that's strong enough and pays enough to attract them. Uh, I, I think one to five years from now, we'd better be spending more on our nurses. We'd better be spending more in their professional development and their and the holistic delivery of our culture, not just are we hitting, you know, a certain pay metric compared to some market analysis. That's an important part of it, but that's not how great cultures are built outside of healthcare, and it shouldn't be how we do it inside healthcare. Audrey, you've been at the front lines as a nurse and as a co-chief legal officer and as a business partner in management. What, how do you see it? I, I, I totally agree with David. I think with this next generation of uh, folks coming into the healthcare profession, it's not going to be about, uh, you know, what – a lot of the, as, as David said, these big box uh, hospitals, you know, just giving people more money, that that is not going to do it. It has to be uh, in conjunction with a flexible lifestyle schedule, uh, something that fits into the, their lifestyle. And I think the culture, I even though I'm, we're seeing the same thing, so many people will be aging out, particularly the nursing folks and, and a lot of the physicians, we have a medical school here at HMH that for 160 slots at one point, we had over 5,000 applications. Uh, we have a college of nursing that we are partnering with, several of them, and we're seeing the enrollments just, you know, triple. Of course, the problem is then you need folks to mentor them. You need not only professors in the classroom, but then you need folks to mentor them when they come into the facilities, whether it's in a hospital or a long-term care facility. So these are all problems that the healthcare industry is going to face. And I, I think David's right. We have to really take a sharp look at how we're going to deliver care, who is going to be in the profession, and what are their needs going to be. Uh, Audrey, was this an issue that you, that you all perceived last year, or is this something that's come more into focus in the last six to eight months as the economy is changing as well? Well, I think, Michael, we, we were seeing that there was a shortage, uh, that's for sure. And I think what happened when the pandemic uh, hit, we saw a lot of people, as David said, you know, rally around and actually come back into the profession. People who maybe were working part-time or were working per diem now chose to work full-time. Um, that we are seeing no longer. We're seeing folks actually take an early retirement and want, you know, they're basically leaving the profession. Um, even some of the people who are not ready for retirement are leaving the healthcare profession to pursue other professions. 
And, and I think he's absolutely right. Uh, the whole telemedicine was very important during the pandemic. Well, we have seen that that has continued to grow. That, that has not decreased uh, with the uh, falling off of the pandemic. That continues to grow. So uh, I, I think the shift in the next couple of years in healthcare is going to be huge. David, from your work with your clients, do you see management and the board working together right now to address this, these issues? And how do you view it as a priority on the board agenda? Are boards ready to embrace the issues that Audrey is raising as a key agenda item for them going forward? In truth, it's, it's a mixed bag. There are some organizations who have done well through the pandemic, frankly, financially, and so they feel less stress to change because what they've done has worked in the past, and so they're less responsive than, frankly, we would necessarily want them to be given the changes that we see going on in the market. Others are extremely responsive. Uh, they have a sense of what's happening internally. They see what's happening externally, and it's a they're, they're leading a, a culture shift within their organization, but also within the relationship between the board and management, recognizing that it's that it's not just are we running a, sort of a well-managed organization, we'll, we'll get the right Moody's rating next time around. It's how are we going to transform this organization for tomorrow and then the workforce that comes along with it. We think those organizations that, who will create a culture that will attract the next-gen workforce will be the winners in the future. Audrey, a last question. As you go out and you interact with the clinicians and nurses and, and administrative staff and all the other employees that are part of the Hackensack system, what's your core message to them that now that we no longer use the hero moniker? What's your, what, what is your tone in terms of getting them to say, hang in there, stick with us, we'll all work through this together? How, how do you buck them up? Well, I think what, what David said is very important. I mean, here at Hackensack Meridian Health, we are in a whole reimagining uh, campaign and culture. And we have a reimagining uh, committee, which our board members participate in. And we, we are preparing for the changes that, that clearly are coming and need to come. And I think when I round, most of the executives here at Hackensack Meridian, we, we do round on our various facilities and meet with uh, different team members. That's my message, that we know how hard you worked. We know how valuable you are, not only valuable to our healthcare organization, organization but valuable to the communities that you live in because they're, they're resources to their own local communities. So th that certainly is my message, and, and I think it's, not only are they grateful when they do see uh, something that David said um, before, uh, management lock stock with the board and the board members are supportive. That's very important to the team members because I think it instills in them a sense of, okay, they know what we're doing. They know how important we are to the organization. They know we're, you know, trying our best. So I think that's the message. It's we're reimagining healthcare. We really are. That's a great message. That's really powerful. David, it's the last minute and 30 seconds of the board meeting. Your your time on the agenda is finally coming up. Everybody's get, answer to get in their car and go home. What's your message to them on retired or being your hero? Wow. Thank you for the short time, time slot. <laughs> it's more um, than the lawyers get. A, a couple of important points. People are tired of being labeled as heroes 
but they're not necessarily tired of being heroic. And the recognition of that by that inner circle of board and leadership is supremely important. A board and leadership team can sometimes think that their praise isn't important anymore, but it always is. That's one thought. Second thought is you engage with your internal audiences. Don't hesitate to engage if, if the only reason for your hesitancy is because you don't have the have every answer to every question you think is going to be asked. There's, there's no secret that things are a mess and that we're trying to figure out things together and that it's a moment of transformation and we have more questions than answers. Lean into that. That transparency, that humanness will be really valuable and will bring people uh, in it together. If you feel like you have to have an- answers to every question, then you'll always have a reason not to engage in conversation and that will cost you. I think that's a fantastic way to wrap this conversation up, David. And I, I'll need to remember that we may be tired of being your hero, but we're not tired of being heroic. And then going back to Audrey's point, it's how the institution communicates its appreciation for that heroism that, from my perspective, is going to be the key board issue of 2022. Audrey Murphy, David Gerard, this was so entertaining, so important of a message We value your contributions today and your experience. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Audrey Murphy and David Gerard have shared with us some very interesting thoughts on the key issue of healthcare worker burnout. They help us understand far better why so many physicians, nurses, and other healthcare professionals are leaving the workplace either through retirement, new jobs, or otherwise. They offer very important thoughts on how to address these challenging issues, and they make it so clear why the issue is best viewed as a matter of board oversight. It's far too important from both talent development and workforce culture perspectives to leave it only as a management level concern. And we want to remind our listeners to go back to the cover sheet they received for this podcast and click on to have access the Gerard article on We're Tired of Being Your Hero. You'll find it a fascinating read. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of Governing Health. Be sure to subscribe to the full complimentary podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. There, you'll be able to stay up to date with all of our future issues and to re-listen to the old ones. Until then, I'm your host, Michael Peregrine, saying thanks so much for listening. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott, Will & Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott and the contributing presenters or authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright 2021, McDermott, Will & Emery. All rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution, distribution, or republication without the prior written consent of McDermott is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.